we uh, are super glad to have you here tonight. Uh, once again, if it's your first time with us, we're su- <coughs> excuse me, we're super excited that you're here. My name is Pastor Josiah. We, uh, we have been in a series uh, the past few weeks that we've called Not of This World, and we've just been addressing the idea of living counterculture. And we've been looking at culture in the sense that it's a lot like an ocean current. If you've ever been to the ocean, then you know the risk of when you're there playing, you're there jumping waves, you're there body surfing, you know the risk that if you're not careful, Uh, in paying attention, then you can end up way down shore, right? Uh, The current can push you. It's subtle. It's not like you can feel it and it's invisible. It's not like you can see it, but it has an ability to move you. And it's the same thing with culture. The same goes with culture, that it's invisible. Uh, it, it's, it, it's not something that you can see. It's not like, oh, hey, look, there's some culture. Oh, that's nice culture. No, but it, it, it's very subtle, right? It's, it happens through, you know, social media we're talking about tonight. We talked about some things already, but it happens through society very subtly. Uh, and it has an ability to move or to affect what we think, what we believe, how we feel about ourselves and life and God. It affects our identity. It affects our eternal destination. That the culture has a tremendous potential to affect us, to move us. And so we've been looking at Daniel and how we want to live counter culture. That Jesus is, we don't belong here. We don't belong here. We might be here in the world. We might be part of the world, but we don't have to do what the world does. We don't have to live and be like the world. We can, we can be counter culture. Uh, last week, we, we looked at the idea of, of truth and that whenever it comes to the beach and to a current, you need a marker of what's true, right? You need a, a steady point that's fixed so that way you can know if you're being moved. That way, if you can tell, oh crap, I'm like 200 feet down shore. I've got to get back in line. Uh, and so for us spiritually, that's the word of God. The, the Bible tells us that God's word is the truth, right? God's word is the truth. And so we spent some time last week just breaking down truth because a lot of people have a lot of different ideas of what is true. We looked at two specifically that people base truth off of of um, you know what I feel, you know what I feel is right. I feel this is good. I feel this is bad. And then people say things like uh, the second thing we talked about was my truth. That well, you have what you believe, and I have what I believe, and you know we're both right. It's my truth. This is my truth. But we looked basically at the the reality that both of these ideas crumble under the fact that our feelings and what we think. Uh, has a, a tremendous ability to be wrong. We can get things wrong. We can, uh, our feelings change. They're not reliable ways of truth. And so when it comes to our pursuit of truth and looking into the word of God, we have to, we have, to have an openness because when the truth comes face to face with what we've considered to be true our entire lives, that creates a moment of offense. A moment of offense for the church, at the church, moment of of offense at leaders, uh, you know, God ordained leaders who are speaking into your life, a moment of offense um, at the church or pastors in general, right? And so what, what we have to have 
is an openness to receive. I kind of did this hand analogy, right? Where uh, if, if my hand is flexible and nice and easy, malleable, then if, if you want to put something in it, it's very easily opened. But when our hearts are clenched tight and hard, when we're resistant to truth, then it becomes very hard, right, to pry those fingers open and for God, God to, to give us and to show us and to tell us, truth for us to receive what he has for us. So we talked about openness tonight. We're going to spend some more time in the book of Daniel looking at living counterculture. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. God, we we are here tonight because we acknowledge that we need you. God, we need you. We need your insight, your wisdom, your revelation. We need your spirit. Um, God, your word says that that flesh profits nothing, that we on our own are nothing, we can do nothing. God, we're completely dependent upon you. And so tonight, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would soften our hearts, that you would open us up so that we could receive what it is that you have for us. God, we love you so much. It is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So turn with me in your Bibles here to, to Daniel chapter one. This is where We've been looking the past few weeks, Daniel chapter one, and if you weren't here or if you're unfamiliar with this passage to catch everyone up, uh, what's happened so far is uh, Daniel has three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who along with the entire nation of Israel, the Israelites, gets captured by the Babylonians. And the Babylonians take them as captives to live in Babylon. And we looked at Nebuchadnezzar and how he parallels Satan and how his idea and strategy behind the Israelites is to assimilate them into culture. And by assimilating them into culture and making them feel like they belong there, making them feel like they have a purpose, making them feel like they have an identity, right? We looked at several different elements of how he would use culture um, to influence them. The idea was if he can make them want to stay there, if he can make them uh, like Babylon and enjoy Babylon and feel a part of the culture, then they would never rebel. They would never uh, try to go against his ruling, but they would just stay there in that form of embond, uh, enslavement. And so tonight what we're going to look at is an aspect of culture that, that he used, which is he tried, Nebuchadnezzar, he sought to change what they ate. He sought to change what they ate. So we're going to read in Daniel chapter one. We'll start in verse three. We'll go through verse 21. So it says, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. 
Now God had caused the official to show favor, uh, the caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, uh, over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were asked uh, they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these Four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the, end of his, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them to a service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding, about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the other magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyprus. So I understand that was a long passage. So we'll break this down tonight and talk, talk about it. So basically what's happening here is the king, has, King Nebuchadnezzar has assigned them new food. He says, you have to eat something different. Now, when you think about it, it's like, okay, but why? Why food, right? So we get the whole idea was to like assimilate them into culture, make them want to be enslaved. But like, what, what did food have to do with this whole thing? Well, you see, uh, the Israelites, if you, if you don't know, they were Jewish. And so to Jews, what they ate was a spiritual matter. It was a matter of religion. God had given them very specific rules about what to eat and what not to eat. It was a matter of them serving their God. But if they were to, to assimilate into their culture, if they were to worship their gods and become their citizens and become, and, and become a part of the Babylonian culture, then this food element was actually a big deal. It was, it was a major part of their religion that he was gonna have to try to disconnect in order to change their desires, in order, to, in order to make them want to be a part of Babylon. And so in order to do that, he says, no, 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 you're gonna have to eat something else. Here's new food. You can say it like this. You can write it down. If you're taking notes, note takers are history makers, that what you, what you consume changes what you desire. What you consume it changes what you desire. So he was changing what they consumed to change what they would desire about Babylon. Now, how many of this, a good example of this is in, um, in rocket power. Is anybody familiar with, with rocket power? Anybody know who I'm, what I'm talking about? No. Okay. What about teen Titans? Okay. All right. What about recess? Anybody know Recess, right? Like TJ and, right? Okay, all right. So those are old school TV shows that are way better than the TV shows that they have nowadays. Um, and so 
uh, if you're like me, uh, what would happen is I would watch these TV shows. Rocket Power, for example, was about kids that were like athletic and sporty. So me and my brother, we would watch them. They'd ride skateboards and they'd, they'd have rollerblades and they played roller hockey and they had surfboards and they'd go surfing and they'd just do all this like athletic stuff. And so after we watched them, you know, I was, I don't even know how old I was at the time, maybe 12, 14. Um, so you can judge me if you want to. But after we watched them, it's like, oh crap, you know what we've got to do? We've got to go get our freaking rollerblades on and go, got to go play roller hockey, right? Um, or if we watched uh, TMNT, right? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, I mean, we'd go get towels. We'd wrap those things around our heads like ninjas. And we'd just like jump, you know, all over the, the furniture. Um, when we woke up, when we woke up those mornings, we weren't just on our own dressing like ninjas and putting on rollerblades and wanting to go play roller hockey. When we woke up, we wanted to apparently watch TV, right? We wanted to watch TV. But then somewhere along the lines, what we were watching, what we were consuming ended up changing what we desired. When we woke up, we didn't desire to act like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but after we watched something, then it changed our desires. What we consume, it changes what we desire. What we consume, it changes what we desire. Now, this of course is the case with Daniel. He's trying to change what they consume to affect change what they desire. But it's, this is also the story with the Israelites whenever they were leaving uh, the land of Egypt, whenever they were enslaved there. So what had happened is about a thousand years before Daniel, his ancestors were enslaved uh, to the Egyptians. God sends Moses uh, to go and rescue them. And as they, as they leave Egypt, they begin complaining about food. So look with me at Exodus chapter 16. We'll start in verse three. It says, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all we wanted. But now you have brought us into this land to starve to death. Exodus, I think I gave you the wrong scriptures now, actually. Um, uh, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve to death. So basically, they, they, they were rescued from Egypt, rescued from being slaves, but then wanted to go back to Egypt all because of the food. Think about that. They were, they're, they're, they were enslaved, the Bible says, for 400 years. And they were like, you know what? Slavery is better than this manna, this bread that we're eating. Let's just go back and be slaves. What they were eating in Egypt, the food that they had in Egypt had changed their desires so much so that they were willing and wanting to stay in Egypt. Right? And Egypt, if you know Bible theology and stuff, is, is another type of the world, just like Babylon, in that what we consume changes what we desire. What we consume, I'm talking mentally, right? Our ears, our eyes, what we're watching, what we're listening to, what we consume, it changes what we desire. Now, just like Nebuchadnezzar had a plan to change what Daniel and his three friends were desiring, Satan has a plan for us. See, it says that, that the King Nebuchadnezzar assigns 
a meal plan for them. If you look specifically back at it, it says that he assigned what they ate, their, their food and wine, but then it also says their daily portions. He assigned what they ate and how much they ate. He had a meal plan assignment for them. Satan has a meal plan assignment for you, for you and I. He's got an assignment, an idea of what he wants you to consume and how much he wants you to consume. And this is exactly what he's done with social media and entertainment, is that he's controlled both what we're consuming and how much we're consuming it. So I'm gonna look at, look at these two things tonight for just a little while. So first, he's number one is he has, with, through social media and entertainment, he has direct control, direct control over the content, direct control over what we are consuming, direct control over what it is. And you can imagine, you, I mean, you know, the, the large scaledness to this. So you have, you have your own friends that you follow and uh, your own social media people that you follow, influencers, you know, but then we have the entire entertainment industry as a whole, right? It's why they're called social media influencers, right? It's celebrities are a thing, right? People like, who freaking cares about the Kardashians? I saw this stupid ad on Hulu the other day about the Kardashians. It, I thought they were dead. I mean, not literally, but you know what I'm saying? Like, who cares? But anyways, uh, he, he, he controls, he controls through the social media entertainment industry, directly controls what people are consuming. And he knows, he knows that no matter what he puts on there, people are going to freaking watch it and they're going to pay attention to it. They're going to just eat it all up. And a good example of this is, is with Disney, Disney plus or Disney in general, not Disney plus. Um, so Disney, you know, I think everybody and their mother knows that they have a very clear LGBTQST, ABCDFG agenda, right? <laughs> um, that was not planned. That was unplanned. Um, LGBT agenda. Uh, even people that aren't Christians and that don't believe the same way we do, they, 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 like, they know something's weird. There's like, why is everything centering around sex and sexual identity with everything Disney does? It's a very clear agenda, but people still watch their stuff, right? People, people will still watch it. People, and this is with, Disney is just an example, but this is with media and entertainment in general. It's like, well, I know that it's not really that good, but you know, I guess I'm gonna watch it anyways. I'm guessing I'm gonna have a Snapchat anyways. I'm guessing I'm gonna have a TikTok anyways, right? He knows that people will do it anyway. Why? Because it's enjoyable. Disney does a good job. Their movie, I like their movies, most of them. Some of them suck, but... They do a good job. Did you say, no, they don't? Not recently. Not recently. Well, that's true. But um, they, they're enjoyable. And then number two, they're easy to dismiss. They're, they're easy to dismiss. Look with me at Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. This is a familiar scripture. Everyone should know it. It says, guard your heart. Above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So it says guard. 
Guard your heart. Now, I don't know if you've ever played basketball before. Um, I used to play whenever I was in school and guard is a very common word in basketball. So it, it's, it's a defensive thing. You're guarding someone and it, it's very technical, right? So you have, you have a specific stance you're, you're meant to stand in. I had this one guy that taught me how to guard. He like a hand between his legs and then a hand up in the air. It was like, I'm gonna look like an idiot if I do that. Just like running around like this. <laughs> Okay, um, but it's like you have a very specific like way you're supposed to stand. You, there's a very specific distance you're supposed to stay. Pretend this is a person. You have a very specific distance you're supposed to stay from them, right? Uh, be, because if you get too far away, then they can like go around and make a shot. So you, you got to stay up on them. The idea, right, is that you, you don't let your guard down. You don't let your guard down. But what happens in a lot of different basketball games is that you'll get a dude that's cocky like Zach and he'll think and <laughs> and and he'll be like, no, I can take him. All right. And he'll, he'll like back off a little bit. He'll let his guard down. He'll let him he'll let him in that three point zone a little bit or have the lane. Give him some room to drive the lane. And like I do to Zach, I just dunk on him. Right. Uh, <laughs> And just, I'm just kidding. I probably can't even dunk anymore. Uh, so uh, people do that same thing spiritually with what they watch, with their music, the TV shows, the social media, right? They, they think, oh, you know, it, it's very easy to be dismissive and get spiritually cocky and think we're better than this. I don't, I'm, I'm more mature than this, right? I don't, I don't really need to like monitor myself and what I watch that much. I can, I can handle this. It's just one movie. It's just one TV show. It's just one scene, right? It's just music, right? And they get, they, they back off. But then what happens is Satan comes in and dunks on them, right? And that's not funny. It is funny metaphorically, but it's not funny. Um, because when you let your guard down, then you're giving Satan room to, to move into work in your life and to change what you desire, right? He has a very real plan to pull our heart away from the Lord. And if we back off, if we back off and just pretend like that's not happening, we will be affected. We will, you, I, I saw in high school, I have people that I went to high school with that are no longer serving the Lord, that were Christians in the beginning, that started off just having a little bit of interest in the things of the world. What you consume changes what you desire, right? People say, well, you know, I'm, I'm mature enough. I'm mature enough to handle this movie, right? The, the violence, the sexual content, right? Like I'm mature enough, right? It's PG-13, I'm, I'm mature enough. I'm mature enough spiritually. Think about it like this. If, if you're mature enough to handle it, we, we, we aren't meant to handle it we're meant to throw it in the trash, right? The idea isn't to handle things. The idea is to stay away from things. Daniel, whenever uh, he was offered the, 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 the food in uh, Babylon from Nebuchadnezzar, he wasn't like, yeah, I think I can handle this. No, he said, I, I don't want any of this. I don't want any of this. It's very easy to be dismissive and, and to let our guard down when we need to have a guard that's up and close and, and just full, full frontal on, on Satan and his plan. I, I recently, you know, went to a movie that I walked out of because uh, of just the different aspects in the movie. And someone that I was talking to that was there with me, they were saying, ah, oh, you know what, just it's to, to each their own. I walked out, they didn't. And they were like, eh, to, eh, to each their own. Um, but like, 
it, God's word isn't vague and up to opinion about what we watch, right? It's like, oh, it's to each their own. You know, we talked about this last week. Oh, it's my feelings. It's my, it's my truth, right? Just this whole idea that like truth is some wish-washy thing. God's word is very specific, very direct and not vague um, about what we let into our hearts, what we let fill our minds in our ears. Look with me at Philippians chapter four, verse eight. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So this isn't vague. This is a really specific list about what we should let into our minds, what we're thinking about, what we're pondering on which of course then changes what, what we desire. It says, says, think about these specific things. And so this isn't just like a good idea, just to kind of, or like a, a general term, just to kind of like get us in the right direction. Like, ah, oh, this movie, yeah, kind of fits there. No, this is a checklist. This is a checklist of things to run through when we're looking at and, and engaging with social media, whenever we're talking about TV shows and talking about movies. No, this, this is a checklist. So, so for example, it says, uh, fix your thoughts on what is true, right? Is this true? Does this line up with the word of God? Uh, is this honorable? If people found out that I was watching this, is it gonna bring me honor or dishonor? Uh, what is right? That word right means righteous. Is, it, is, this, is this righteous? Very similar to the next one, pure. Is this, is this pure? Oftentimes in pure, we think of sexual purity, even though that's, that's not all that it contains, but is this sexually pure? This isn't just a good idea. This is a checklist of things that we need to run down through to guard what we're allowing into our minds. We have a priority. We are not a priority. We have a responsibility to protect, to guard, what we allow into our minds. Satan has an agenda, a very real agenda to influence us, to change what we desire, but we can stop that by controlling and monitoring what we consume. So number one, we, we said that Satan, he just controls what we're consuming. But then number two, when it comes to social, social media and uh, entertainment, he also controls, just like Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar the portion size, how much you're consuming. You know, how much do you think TikTok wants you to be on their platform? I mean, indefinite. I mean, like for forever, they're making all sorts of money. The more we're on there, right? What, what about Instagram? What, what about Disney Plus? They, they don't have any limit, right? And of course, we talked about it's not just them. It's Satan behind the scenes pulling the strings of culture. Um, I, I looked up a, a few statistics that, that I thought would blow your mind. Uh, Disney, they did a study recently that said that on average, people spend 31 hours per week uh, watching like, TV type programs, 31 hours per week. That comes out to about four and a half hours per day that people spend just watching TV programs. Uh, now, if you take into consideration, it might, they might watch more on the weekends and spread it out a little bit, but it averages out to four and a half hours per day. Then I looked up TikTok, just TikTok, not Instagram, not Twitter, not, not any of the other platforms, just TikTok. And they said that their users are on there an average of one and a half hours per day. And so 
if, if you do math and, and you say, okay, I wake up at 7 a.m. and then go to sleep at 10 p.m., that's about 15 hours of awake time. That you're awake 15 hours. Uh, but then if you have you know, four and a half hours uh, 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 that you're watching TV and an hour and a half on social media, that's six hours. That's almost half. That's almost half the time uh, of your like awake time, of your time that you're alert. And so at that, I'm, I'm thinking, man, this isn't screen time. This is Satan's like eating time. This is Satan's like consuming time where you, you, you would, what, you're just there just as a receptor. Whatever you feed, we would just watch it and consume it for hours on end. You can even look at your phone right now. Go ahead and pull out your phone. Go to your settings. If you have an iPhone, I know this, this is the case. This is going to, I mean, this is scary. I mean, you, maybe you've done this before. iPhone settings and it says screen time. That's a joke. This is not screen time. This is I'm listening and, and, and reading and watching your agenda, right? And, and, and now I, I get it that, so click on screen time and then you can see, you can see you know, how you're spending your time and you can get very specific and app limits and all that sort of stuff. But even if, even if you solely have Christian influences, even if you're solely uh, following Christian people and Christian influencers and, you know, Bible of the day pages or whatever, right? Even if in that 100% perfect world, you're still spending that amount of time on, on those platforms. And in the least, right, the idea is he's just controlling the time, the portion size. In the least, it's a major distraction from what we should be consuming, even if it's good and right and pure and holy, in the least, it's a major distraction from what we should be consuming, which is the word of God. The word of God. Jesus, he says in Matthew chapter 4, 4, he says this in the middle of his, of his temptation with, with Satan. He says, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then in another place, uh, whenever Jesus is teaching on prayer in the Lord's prayer, he equates God's word to daily bread. He says, God, God's word, he says, give us this day our daily bread, daily bread. And then he says, man does not live on bread alone, but on God's word. In both of these examples, God is comparing reading the Bible to eating. He's comparing reading the Bible to what we consume. And so if you look at how you eat, uh, you don't just eat once a day. Uh, you eat multiple times a day, right? You don't just eat uh, once a week, even. You don't eat twice a week. No, like you, you have, if you, wanna, if you wanna live, if you wanna survive, you have to eat like every single day, right? And then if you wanna be well-nourished and strong, you've gotta eat like multiple times a day, right? This isn't just like, uh, a once a day sort of thing, or just, you know, just fast most of the time. That's not like a very good idea. You're going to lose a ton of weight. You're going to be super unhealthy. Um, and so it's, it's the same, the same is true when it comes to how we engage with the word of God. It's just like eating. It's just like eating. It's our daily bread, but it's not just a once a day thing. It's like, we should be constantly intaking the word of God. It's, it's very good and very true that that you should have a morning, morning routine with the Lord before you go to school. 
That's why we have a Bible reading plan and it's why we post on there every single morning. If you don't know about our Bible reading plan, you can click uh, our bio on Instagram and it'll take you to our link tree. You can click the reading plan and then uh, you can read along with us. Uh, and, and you have the ability to comment on there. So, so it's great. But uh, we, we do this every single morning. However, the, the only time I'm, I'm in taking the word isn't in the morning. I listen to preaching every single day. I listen to preaching. That's another way. I listen, to, I read godly books. That's another way I'm in taking the word. So I'm not just saying you have to constantly be like reading the Bible 24 seven, but the idea is just to be ingesting God's word, ingesting what God has to say. And what this will do is it'll make you strong. It'll make you well-nourished, right? That was, that was the case when it came to Daniel and his three friends. People thought, nah, no, you, you Christian people, you, you're gonna eat that sort of stuff. You're gonna be weak and lousy and puny and irrelevant and all this stuff. But no, it says that they were well-nourished and stronger than all the other people, than all the other people. You can look, that, that's also in Psalm chapter one. It says, it says, blessed are those who don't dwell with, with, the, with, the, with the wicked, walk in step with the wicked, but who meditate on God's law day and night. It says, they'll be like a tree that never withers, like, like, a, like a tree that's planted by water. It says, everything they do will prosper. Everything they do will prosper. That can be you and I, but we have to get to a place where God's word isn't just something where, oh, we're listening to it here on Wednesdays. Oh, you know what? I, I Occasionally, I... You know, since I serve so much in children's ministry, I never get a really uh, a whole lot of time to like be in here in service. And then half the time I forget to like re-listen to the messages on Sunday from, from Facebook or, or YouTube. So you know what? I'm like maybe once in a while getting the word. I always forget to read my Bible. No, we, it can't be that anymore. If we want to be strong and well-nourished, not just surviving as Christians, but, but be someone that God can use, be someone that God can anoint, be someone that can prosper in all they do. We have to become people that monitor what we're consuming and then fit, like on purpose consuming the word of God. We can be strong. We can be anointed. E even in this, at the end of Daniel, it says when that they stood before the king, eventually he found them 10 times better than everybody else. 10 times better. That's, that's, that's our destiny, to be 10 times more creative, 10 times, 10 times smarter, 10 times more gifted than the world. God's people aren't meant to be small. God's people are meant to be examples of God's goodness and greatness. That was something that I saw just the other day on our Bible reading plan, that, that, um, that Solomon, when he was talking about the temple that they were gonna build for the Lord, he says, this temple for God, it has to be magnificent because it's for God. Right, And we, the Bible says, we are the temple of the Lord. We're meant to be magnificent. We're meant to be great. We're meant to be awesome because we serve the living God. We're not to be small. We're not to be weak. We're not to be depressed. We're not to be defeated. We're meant to be anointed and magnificent. But it comes with reading the word of God and monitoring everything else that we're consuming, guarding our hearts. And so I have for you tonight a challenge a challenge. This is going to be a big challenge. We've never done it before. For 10 days, they did it for 10 days. I want to challenge you to stay completely off social media and to not watch any TV or um, movies or anything like that for 10 days. We'll post tomorrow on our Aspire Instagram just to remind people. We'll post maybe about halfway through just to remind people. I'm going to call it a media blackout. A media blackout for 10 days. But the idea isn't to just not watch 
other, like the world's influence. The idea is to replace that scroll time and screen time with, with the word of God. So every time for these next 10 days that you're tempted to watch something, look at social media, whatever, just invest those few minutes in the word. Invest those few minutes in, in the word of God. Maybe it's reading the Bible. Maybe it's reading a godly book. Maybe it's listening to a podcast. Maybe it's uh, listening to preaching but fill yourself, consume the word of God. So once again, we'll start that tomorrow. We'll post a media blackout for 10 days. I'd love for you to take that challenge with us. If you're here tonight, I'm just gonna ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here tonight, you know, we're talking about living counterculture and, and specifically tonight, you know, not being influenced by what the world, by what Satan is, you know, the agenda that he's trying to press on us. Um, and, and so this is really a message toward Christians and, and toward those who are already believers. But I hope that you picked up on tonight that the, the, the reality that we in here, we, we want to serve God. It's like, we're, we're going through all of this to, to get closer to God. We, we want to have lives and hearts that are closer to Him. Why? Because God is good. God is tremendously good. And we, we wanna live our lives for Him. And so what we want to do tonight is invite you to live your life for God, to accept Jesus into your life. The Bible says that, that God sent His Son Jesus to die for our sins, that if we want to go to heaven, to be with him and to live for God, all, all, it, all it takes is us giving him